episode 765. With the Super Bowl looming, we ponder the immediate future of the Green Bay Packers. Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette joins us to talk about free agency and coaching staff decisions. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans. Welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. And before the Super Bowl, we're talking about which direction the Packers will take this offseason. And just briefly, apologize everyone for the uh, short notice with the cancellation of Wednesday's episode of this show. I had the flu and was out of commission. It was just a brief thing. Uh, threw me basically, confined me to bed for a day. Um, but uh, we're back and uh, we have a guest joining us. Uh, this was a pre-recorded interview with Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. But it was very cool because he's very in tune with the team. And I think you'll enjoy it. So listen in. Baltar, find me another expert. One that likes me this time, okay? Right now here on Railbird Central, we're talking to Pete Doherty, columnist for the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Mr. Doherty, how you doing? Pretty well, Ryan. How are you today? Very good. Glad you could come back on the show once again. Uh, Pete, I, I re you recently penned two columns that offered pretty strong opinions. And I wanted to start with the article focusing on the roster decisions the Packers are facing. You proposed the Packers ask Randall Cobb to take a pay cut. What do you think are the chances that the Packers go out on that limb and ask one of their core players to do so or risk cutting him? Uh, probably not very good. Uh, I, you get the sense um, that he's one of Mike McCarthy's favorites, and, you know, I can understand why. I mean, the guy shows, you know, great toughness. He plays. He's played through a lot of injuries, does everything he can to get out there. Um, he does, you know, when plays break down, he's, he gets open for, for Rodgers, and that's a big part of their offense is Rodgers making plays outside the pocket. But with Jordy Nelson, with the way he can um, move into that slot position, it looks like that's probably where he – that might be his best position now. And Cobb is just a smaller guy and a small target. And uh, he is prone to injury because of his size. I just, I think it would be a good idea to approach him for, uh, you know, knocking his salary in half. I think he's supposed to make around nine or nine and a half this year. And I think he'd end up taking it because I don't know that he could do better elsewhere. But uh, I do not get the sense that the, uh, the Packers are going to do that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that your colleague Bob McGinn said he did finish number one in yards after the catch on the team this year. He does offer that. Um, but you also advocated the Packers asked Clay Matthews to move back inside to uh, inside linebacker once again. I'm personally of the opinion that when healthy, Matthews' best position is outside. Uh, that's the kicker, isn't it, however, that he's frequently injured? And once again, what do you think is the likelihood between what you think should happen and what will actually happen? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't argue that with you. Um, that is his best position and when healthy. But you're right, that is, you know, he's not healthy a lot of the time. And, I mean, look, uh, it's not an easy call, but if it just looks to me like he has more of an impact on this defense at this point in his career when he plays inside because of their weaknesses at inside linebacker 
Now, outside is huge. You got to have pass rushers, um, but I think they've just got to they've got to go and aggressively get some. They got to draft them high and try to improve their athleticism at outside linebacker, and they could get a little more bang for the buck from Matthews inside. I don't have as good a feel for this one. McCarthy at his um, postseason press conference said, you know, they move Matthews around a lot anyway, but. I mean, in the second half of 14 and for all of 15, he was an inside linebacker who occasionally played outside like in the dime, whereas last this past season it was the other way around. He was an outside linebacker who occasionally played inside. I think they should go back to that earlier formula. I don't, uh, I don't know if they will or not. It might depend on what they do or don't get in the draft. Maybe they'll let the draft uh, um, determine whether they do there. If they draft an inside linebacker high, then they'd, you'd think they'd keep Matthews outside. If they draft an outside linebacker high, maybe they maybe they move him uh, inside more, or maybe they just operate like they did last year. Regardless, uh, they haven't really uh, given much sense of what their what their plans are there. That's an interesting philosophy there. Depending on the outcome of the draft, uh, I guess we'll have to wait a few months to find that out. But you also made a few guesses on some of the other free agents the Packers have that I want to ask about. You guess that the Packers will re-sign T.J. Lang at nearly the same price uh, they did last time, $5.2 million average per season. But how many years do you think they sign a player that's coming off a broken foot and hip surgery? Yeah, this is a tough call because of because exactly because of those reasons. But he's a guy you want on your team as far as a leader and a good player and all that. Going to be 30, so you know his body's breaking down. Um, the length of the contract could it could be four or five years, no problem. But if I'm them and signing him to the deal, I'm thinking two years. You know, anything on top of that would be gravy. But uh, I would I would I would be looking for to get two years out of him. Yeah, um, similar question on tight end Jared Cook. If the Packers make him a priority, how many years do you sign him for? Especially in a year that's supposed to be one of the best draft classes for tight ends in recent history. Yeah, and you know what, with the way they play and with Rodgers as their quarterback, if they get a shot at a good tight end, no matter what, I'd I'd take him. Um, you know, McCarthy makes use of those guys. Uh, but Cook was, I think his value came pretty clear. The Washington game was his first game back, and if I remember right, he played a little less than half the snaps in that game. So they lost that game, but that was the end of their four-game losing streak. I don't think it's any coincidence that they went on the eight-game winning streak the next week when he started playing basically as a full-time player. Um, just because of the threat he presented as a, a big target over the middle, a guy who could run well enough to occupy safeties and stretch the middle of the field some. So I would think he'd be a really high priority. And, um, you know, at that position with his athleticism, he could easily have, uh, you know, three pretty good years left. But um, I, I would I would go pretty hard if I were the Packers to bring back Jared Cook. They would have been in uh, – they would not have had the season they had without him last season. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of the same uh... – mindset as well uh you also guess that nick perry will command a contract of nearly eight million dollars a season which would be more than any other current free agents or those who are coming up this off season do you think he actually reaches free agency and a bidding war commences or will the packers lock him up before hitting the market i would think that that'll be something they'd get done before hitting the market i was really just kind of taking a stab there at that eight million figure because um, he's a little tougher to figure out. He played so well early, mm-hmm. it looked like he was going to be a $10 million a year guy with all those sacks he was getting early. <laughs> uh, you know, But he's proven he's a guy who gets the sacks in bunches. He's a pretty decent rusher. He's not a great rusher. Plays the run really well. Um, so that's my best guess is that it would be around that, that figure. Maybe it'll be a little less. I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, if I were a betting man, I would bet that they they sign him in the week leading up to uh, free agency. Okay, moving on to your column on Dom Capers, you placed more of the burden on Ted Thompson and the personnel side than blaming Capers and said specifically the Packers need to get faster. Where do you think the Packers need to get faster on the defensive side of the football? Uh, the most glaring things are, especially after watching Atlanta, I'm sure, I mean, didn't that just jump off the field at you at how fast those inside linebackers were? Absolutely. And uh, so I, I, inside linebacker and corner are two positions that just jump out. Um, you know, I think outside linebacker too, they need to get more athletic there. If I'm, I don't know what your feelings are on this, but if I'm the Packers, you know, I give Julius Peppers a big hug and say, thanks for everything. You were great. Uh, loved everything you did for us, but it's time for us to move on. So I'm guessing that's what they do, but I don't know for a fact, but so the Packers need to, uh, add a pass rusher there. That'll help their, obviously help their coverage a lot. Uh, cause their, their pass rush, even though their sack numbers were pretty decent, uh, their rush was, their rush really wasn't that good last season. So, I would think, uh, you know, corner and outside linebacker have to be high priorities in the draft, in free agency if they do anything there. And speed is a huge part of both of those uh, positions. Absolutely. Um, now, another coordinator question here. Uh, the Packers, off, I guess he's not a coordinator or anymore. They, I guess his, his title transitioned to assistant head coach or associated coach, whatever. But uh, the Packers' uh, offense, uh, will the Packers' offense miss the contributions of Tom Clements now that he's decided to step away? I don't know. I wonder if this could end up helping them. I wonder if they had too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, they had McCarthy running the offense. Clements as second in command and Edgar Bennett as offensive coordinator. I know I have people ask me, you know, when they were struggling, hey, you know, Edgar Bennett must be a bad offensive coordinator. And, and I'm thinking, well, how do you know? You know, you've got, McCar- I mean, the final call is McCarthy on everything they do on offense. And Clements is above him. So who's doing what? I've asked McCarthy a couple times in one-on-ones, uh, one-on-one interviews, what, you know, how those, those duties are uh, divvied up. And he just doesn't like to reveal any of that stuff, so he just he won't give me a straight answer and just talks around it. So I don't know I don't know exactly what Clements was doing, and I just wonder if this will, you know, if they were just a little too top heavy there, and this if, if this actually might end up helping them out. Um, I mean, I think that's at least a possibility. Yeah, uh, and that's not even to mention the contributions of uh, Alex Van Pelt as well and and his input into the offense, which seems to be growing as well. But, uh, Pete, it's our last episode before the Super Bowl. Uh, We got the team that eliminated the Packers from the playoffs and and the New England Patriots. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Well, I was just uh, just before you called. I was uh, I have to make a pick for the Press Gazette also, so I was just uh, shooting that video. you know, I'll say what I said on that. You know, it's really unwise to pick against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So that's what I'm going to do is pick against them. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I just, I have a suspicion. You know, Gronkowski is their second best guy, and he's he's such a good player, impactful player, and they've won great and they played great without him. But I just wonder if this will finally be the game where not having him is going to catch up with them. Atlanta on the other side has Julio Jones, who is a great, great player, you know, their second most important guy. Um, so, you know, gun to my head, I think that could be the difference. So I think I went uh, Falcons 28, Patriots 24. Who are you picking? Um, I think I'm going with the Patriots. So um, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll have some sort of side bet who's right. <laughs> All right. You're, uh, you're, you're, I'm sure you're the wiser man on this one, but uh, – <laughs> 
but that's the way I went. So <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I don't hold it against you. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for taking a few moments to uh, talk to us this morning. Uh, greatly appreciate it, and uh, keep up the good work. Okay, anytime, Brian. Take care. Thank you to Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette for joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? All right, I'll tell you, Vince, what's going on. Um, In an article published Friday morning, ESPN.com added up all the Packers' bonus money paid out in 2016 and found out that Nick Perry led the team. Appropriately, the Packers, when the Packers re-signed Perry this past offseason, they made a not insignificant portion of his paycheck contingent on whether or not he played which made sense for a guy who's been off injured throughout his professional football career. With a team-high $62,500 per game playing bonus, Perry made a little less than an extra million dollars in bonus pay this past year. Uh, That would be $875,000 to be exact. Uh, Coming in second was defensive lineman Latroy Guyon, who made $750,000 in bonus play. And, you know, there was more than a dozen Packers in total. And basically, this is guys who are all on their second or third contract in the league. Uh, They don't... For guys on the rookie contract, so basically all players in in seasons one through four or possibly one through five in the league, uh, they don't give out per game roster bonuses, um, which you could argue is maybe maybe they should. Uh, maybe someday that's uh, changes in a new collective bargaining agreement. Regardless, it doesn't happen now. Um, And among those who missed out on the most bonus money was cornerback Sam Shields, who played in only two games after suffering a concussion and thus only got a very modest bonus uh, this past season. Now, from a big-picture perspective, however, when salary caps are calculated, the NFL assumes that teams will pay out 100% of these kinds of bonuses uh, called likely-to-be-earned bonuses because, for the most part, these players do earn them, uh, or a majority of them earn them, at least, um, like Nick Perry does, and and, and the examples like Sam Shields are, are a little bit more rare. But the Packers had a little over $1.2 million in unpaid bonuses And that'll carry over to the 2017 salary cap, which means they'll have a tiny bit more money to deal with than maybe you realized just as soon as uh, a day ago. Uh, The amount of money they'll have available will be nearly $35 million. um, Plus, now, uh, that doesn't include uh, an extra $9 million if they release cornerback Sam Shields. We'll have to wait and see on that front, and that can be a topic we discuss another day on this show. Uh, but that's where the Packers sit as of right now. So kind of interesting that with that article just recently being published this morning, kind of bringing to light or bringing to the forefront of your mind where the Packers are sitting from a salary cap perspective right now, uh, 
which is interesting in light of the interview we just had with Pete Doherty talking about all the upcoming free agent decisions the Packers have, and they're going to have some tough ones this offseason. In other Packers news, President Mark Murphy commented on the future of the general manager position in Green Bay, explaining why he won't commit to anyone despite lots of speculation about Elliot Wolf being the GM in waiting, so to speak. Uh, here's the explanation in a quote provided by Rob Domovsky of ESPN.com. Murphy said, quote, I don't think you can make promises, especially because the league changes so much year to year, end quote. Uh, and he's right. Wolf flirted with two general manager jobs this past offseason. Uh, fellow front office executive Brian Gutekunst did with one as well in San Francisco. And although both returned to Green Bay, which which is great for the Packers, Murphy couldn't predict with 100% certainty that they would do that. Um, and, you know, on top of that, the Packers also have an abundance of candidates to take over as general manager. Many might feel like Elliot Wolf is the leader in the clubhouse just because of name recognition, and he very well might be. Um, but if anything should happen to him or, or anybody else, they get sick, who knows, or they take a job somewhere else. They also have Brian Gutekunst or Alonzo Highsmith or Russ Ball, I think any of them could make a candidate, you know, kind of without me being inside 1265 Lombardi Avenue. It's difficult for me to say exactly, you know, what the hierarchy should be of who should be next. Um, I, I'm certainly not sitting in on any interviews they might have uh, that that could take place or judging the want to of how badly they want to be the top man in charge. Maybe that's not a priority and they're the type of person that likes to wait in the wings. I, I would assume when you work in a competitive league like the NFL, there's there's not too many people like that, but you never know. <clears throat> and then there's speculation that John Dorsey could return to Green Bay that seemed to pick up speed uh, this offseason. Uh, I think it's kind of been, you know, there's there's kind of got less attention that John Schneider could come back or Reggie McKenzie. They seem a little bit more entrenched at their current positions. Uh, but uh, those all those names are at least out there uh, and, you know, could be at the very least potential candidates for the Green Bay Packers. So there's no shortage of guys who could take over you know, basically one job for the Green Bay Packers, the one of the top jobs in the organization with general manager. But I mean, what did I throw out there? Seven names, <laughs> you know? So the Packers have, you know, no shortage of options. I get why they don't simply commit to one. Uh, they, they can afford to cross that bridge when the time comes, uh, especially if they feel like if there's more than one, that would be really good at the job. Um, and that could certainly easily be the case. Uh, so there you go. There's the latest on the front office side of the Packers organization. 
In other Packers news, the team announced its annual tailgate tour taking place in the month of April. This year, the Packers are going to Medford and Ashland, Wisconsin, followed by Houghton, Michigan, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Iron Mountain, Michigan. It takes place from April 4th to April 8th. It's always nice to see the organization go to places they've never gone before, but that's almost always the case with the tailgate tour. Uh, It certainly appears there's a focus on going north this year, uh, but that should just be a one-year thing. Next year, they'll go to a different part of the region and you know, they they certainly switch things up quite a bit. You know, they I know they like to go down to the Milwaukee area quite a bit just because there's a significant population of the state of Wisconsin in that area that, you know, loves the team, and, and they'll probably go at least around that way next year. Um, and, and they go all over the state. So uh, if they're not going your way this year, They'll go there next year, Uh, but good to see them go to some places they've never gone before with a specific focus in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan this upcoming uh, April. Um, Tickets go on sale Monday, February 6th if you are interested. Uh, There's all sorts of different ways you have to get tickets, uh, and details are at Packers.com. They got press releases there. Uh, So I'll point you in that direction. If you need to figure out how to get tickets, that's your best guess because I I would sit here for 10 minutes just trying to tell you how to get tickets to every one of the five tour dates. It would take forever, and that's not good good radio or good podcasting or whatever. Um, And finally, the Packers announced the concert act that will play at Lambeau Field this summer. Billy Joel will play at the Iconic Stadium on Saturday, June 17th. And I think that's cool because it's a switch from the country acts that have exclusively played prior to Joel uh, being announced as coming to Green Bay uh, as far as, you know, concerts taking place since, you know, Lambeau Field has been renovated and has been hosting uh, the occasional concert, which which seems to be almost an, an annual effort now uh, that the Packers like to have in the summertime. Uh, but the real benefit to the organization is once again monetary. This helps the team keep pace with the rest of the NFL and revenue. And one concert per year at Lambeau Field is a good thing for the community and for the health of the Packers organization if you want to see them uh, be around for the long term and be competitive in the NFL in revenue, uh, which always makes it easier for the team to go out and and spend in in free agency if they need to go out and get the big-ticket free agent like they did with a Julius Peppers or Jared Cook or something like that. Uh, it, It always makes it easier. Uh, when they have so many sources of revenue like this and, and one that maybe other teams do not, uh, hosting big concerts like this, although certainly many teams do, uh, but l- sometimes a lot of the times uh, teams don't own their own stadium uh, either. Uh, they're, they're leased out to the teams, and they may not be making quite as much as the Packers do on a deal like this. Uh, we're kind of getting in the weeds here. But anyway... Uh, That's kind of been the news over the course of the week with the Green Bay Packers. 
and uh, that leads us into the next segment. The day ahead. There might not be much happening the Friday before the Super Bowl, but on Saturday night will be the annual NFL Honors Award Show, and this will be the night when we find out whether Packers wide receiver Jordy Nelson wins the officially NFL-recognized Comeback Player of the Year Award. He's already won awards uh, from the Pro Football Raiders of America and the Sporting News and perhaps other outlets that I'm missing, but this is the award officially recognized by the NFL and voted upon by the Associated Press. So good luck to Jordy Nelson. The award show takes place at the site of the Super Bowl in Houston and airs on television at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Saturday night on Fox, so tune in. Uh, There are other awards being handed out. I I think, of course, Aaron Rodgers is definitely under consideration for the MVP award, but based upon everything, I think we've, if you've followed the media closely, I, I think you can gauge that he's probably not going to win it, and it's probably going to go to Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers might be there in the audience. I don't know whether he'll be there or not. I would assume Jordy Nelson's going to be. Uh, So that'll be cool to see uh, him perhaps come on stage and accept the the trophy or whatever it is they give out. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun the night before the Super Bowl. As for the Super Bowl itself, it airs at 5.30 p.m. Central Time, on Sunday, on Fox, if you're looking for an official prediction here, I'm going with 31-21 Patriots over the Falcons. I just can't go against the Patriots in the program they've built uh, under Bill Belichick. They just are a notch above everybody else in the NFL, it seems. And, I, you know, I think basically it'll be a one-score game until I I do think it'll be competitive. Uh, It'll be a one-score game until late, until the Patriots, you know, maybe push it late in the fourth quarter, you know, kind of that that drive that just puts things away late in the game and makes it a two-score or more game. Um, So that's that's what I'm going with. I, I just have a hard time betting against Bill Belichick and the Green Bay, uh, the Green Bay Patriots, the the New England Patriots, um, and Tom Brady and, and everything they've built there, um, and even without a guy like you know Rob Gronkowski, as Pete Doherty mentioned, they have Martellus Bennett, they have a you know talented players surrounding Tom Brady there, lots and lots of them, and, and they're coached very well. And that's the way I'm going uh, on Sunday evening. But it should be a fun time. Enjoy it, folks. It is the last time to see a competitive football game uh, at any level <laughs> until next fall or, or late summer, I guess you could say, if uh, if you're considering exhibition football uh, to fall in that category. Uh, and we're not counting spring football <laughs> at the college level. I suppose you could, uh, but that's not exactly real football being played there, at least under the same rules and uh, same time frames and all that kind of stuff. So enjoy the final football game of the 2016-2017 season. 
And that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. My call to action before we go. Today's show is brought to you by B-Rock, Madison's upcoming craft beer bar, looking to open in the coming months, of which I am the prospective owner. We're looking to get word out, so please give us a follow on Twitter at B-Rock Madison. That's spelled B-I-E-R-O-C-K, Madison, like the city. Um, And uh, yeah, thanks a lot, folks. Uh, If you would do that, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That is the live edition of the show. It's podcasted and on demand later in the day. Uh, So we'll see you on Monday morning. Already have a guest lined up. Um, We have Eric Merlis, author of a new book on uh, football and sports in general. Uh, I used to have a personal connection with Mr. Merlis, and he's going to be our guest. He he was in the city of Houston this past week uh, at the Super Bowl. So we're going to ask him about that, uh, kind of sum that up the day after the game. And uh, talk a little Packers as well. So looking forward to that on Monday morning. See you then, folks. I leave you today with a song called Freaker by the Speaker by Keller Williams on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go. (laughs) 